Welcome to the Cowboys Beat and Friends Podcast, streaming live every Wednesday on the Cowboys Beat Podcast Network, where Chris brings along a friend and discusses everything going on with America's team. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Hosted by none other than Chris Kay. Throws it down the field, it's caught at the 10, and this game is over! The Cowboys win it! C.D. Lamb! You may know him from his work on TikTok, but now he's taking over the podcasting world. Second and 15. Good throw, and it's intercepted! He's got another one! And he's got a field ahead of him! Diggs is going to take it to the end zone! Unbelievable! So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Cowboys Beat and Friends podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Cowboys Beat and Friends podcast. I am Chris from the Cowboys Beat. I will be your host for this podcast. I just want to say thank you guys for tuning in to the Cowboys Beat and Friends podcast, the very first episode of this podcast. Today, I have a very special guest joining me. He is the CEO of Cowboys Nation. He does not call himself that, but I'm going to call him that. Uh, he is now dubbed the CEO of the Cowboys Nation. 21 Armando, 21. What's up, my man? What's going on, Chris? Hey, I appreciate that. I appreciate that intro, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I'm not, the, you know, we're a big family. We're a big Cowboy family. And, and, you know, I'm just, you know, if you guys haven't seen, I'm on TikTok, 21 Armando, 21. So, you know, spreading the the love of the Cowboys for, you know, for us fans, you know, you know, for some of, for some people, it's, it's, it's not love. It's more of a hate, but, you know, but we love them too. Exactly. They love to hate us. They they know more about the Cowboys than than some of us do. Uh, the haters of the team, but that's that's fine. You know, we 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 love the haters just like we love the fans of the team as well. Um, but yeah, I definitely appreciate you for coming on the podcast. And uh, you know, as soon as I came up with this idea for a podcast like this, I knew you were going to be the first guest. So I definitely appreciate you. I appreciate out. you, man. I appreciate you. Is it? You know, it means a lot. Thank you, man. Thank you. And you know. You know, I, I, I'm I'm excited to see more of the Cowboys beats and friends. I want to see who you're going to have on. I'm excited for it, man. It's, it's, it's going to be a good podcast. Oh, man, I can't wait. Yeah. I, I really can't wait. Um, so we're going to be talking about four things today. We're going to be talking about the expectations for the team this upcoming season. We're going to be talking about the biggest areas of concern on this team this season the areas that we feel good about, and is CeeDee Lamb ready to be the number one wide receiver on this team? So, Armando, I'm going to start it with you. What are your expectations for the Cowboys in the 2022-2023 season? So let's, get the, let's get the elephant in the room out of the way. We got to get past the first round. We have to. I think that, I think that expectations are always high, especially, you know, you know, if you guys can't see me, but I have a flag behind me. It says America's team. You know, that's big expectations. We got we got to get past that first round. Uh, obviously, you know, we're trying to win the division, which is hard because you know the the numbers say we're not going to win it. You know, the you know everything else says we're not going to win it. But so so that's one big expectation is getting that back to back NFC East champion. You know, and and obviously getting past that first round. Oh yes, yeah, certainly. When people ask me what's your expectations for the Cowboys in terms of a playoff run, I can't answer that question for them right now. You know, it's only training camp. But, no, you're certainly right. They have to get past the first round. And a a question that I think is a relevant question to ask is, does Mike McCarthy keep his job if they only make it to the wild card round and end up losing? Do you think that he keeps his job if that's the case? That's a big no. I think that we all see it. I think that we all see it. You know, especially the way Jerry Jones talks sometimes, 
you know, it makes it, you know, it makes it hard, especially like being in that position, which is the head coaching job of the Cowboys. You know, it's hard because your your owner comes out and says things that you kind of like you want to read between the lines and you're like, okay, so is this guy saying I'm going to get fired or, you know, but, you know, I have a, I you know, I hope it doesn't happen. But my thing is, is I honestly think that if, if we go into the season and it's not looking good, I think we can see Mike McCarthy gone before even the end of the season. See, it's funny to me because Mike McCarthy is second year as the coach of the Cowboys led them to a 12 win record. And, and I understand why people are upset with Mike McCarthy because this team should have went a lot further than it did last season. But yep. the talent that they had on this team last year, there's no excuse as to why you lost in the first round. I know San Francisco was a very good team last year. Their record didn't tell the story. They went into Green Bay, won that game, almost beat the the Rams. I mean, they could have won the Super Bowl last year. That's how good of a team they were, and that's how good of a run they were on. doesn't matter. You look at the talent that the Cowboys had last season, no excuse as to why they couldn't win that game and get to the second round. Hell, even get to the NFC Championship game last year. I mean, it was crazy how much talent they had on that team. Yep. But what's funny about Mike McCarthy is, you know, when there's a girl, an, an attractive girl, right? And she's got this boyfriend and like, he's cool, but there's better options out there. <laughs> that's, that's what Jerry Jones is right now. Yeah. He's the girlfriend that's got better options out there. And those better options are Sean Payton and Dan Quinn and, I, I hate talking about Sean Payton. I really do because it seems like it was a big talking point in the offseason, and now we're heading to training camp in the regular season. I would prefer if we just shut down the Sean Payton talks. But it is a relevant question to ask, no doubt about it, because Mike McCarthy is on the hot seat. And even though the Cowboys did have a good record last year, and they were a good team, there's no doubt about that. They were a good team last year. They should have went for, further, and I think that his impediments as a coach were the reason why they didn't, advance further than what they did so the expectations for the cowboys this year in terms of what i think they're going to do i think they're probably going to win anywhere from nine to 12 games i think that's that's like the range in which i see them like realistically speaking i want to go back to the 2020 season where doc prescott went down and you could say if doc prescott played Every game that season, the Cowboys win at least probably three more games and they're a nine win team and they win the division with that awful defense. And Doc has progressed as a quarterback, even though he was having a very good season before he got injured. He has progressed as a quarterback now. And I think there's no way that this team should win anything less than 10 games. And yeah, if they win less than 10 games, there's no doubt about it. Mike McCarthy won't be here. But my thing to Cowboys nation is this, we should want Mike McCarthy to be the head coach of the Cowboys going into next season. And the reason why I say this is because if Mike McCarthy, if Mike McCarthy gets fired, the Cowboys fell short of expectations. And we don't want that as a fan base, even though I'm pretty sure 90% of Cowboys Nation would want Sean Payton as the coach of this team. Hell, I'd want Sean Payton as the coach of this team because I'm not, uh, I, you know, I'm not against upgrading. But if he is the coach of this team next year, it's because they didn't perform this season. I think that's one thing that people need to take into consideration. But, um, you know, I'm looking at this team from a roster standpoint. It is hard to say that they're a better team this year. Yeah, that's one thing I will say. It's hard to say that they're a better team than they were last year. But I think one thing that people are discounting was is the Cowboys were a very young team last year. I mean, you look at some of the best players on that team. 
Micah Parsons, rookie, 22 years old. Trayvon Diggs, 23 years old. CeeDee Lamb, I think he just turned 23 years old. Dak Prescott, even, even though he's not like young in quarterback years, you could say that he's starting to enter into not being a young quarterback. Like, we look around the league and you look at what Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Josh Allen are doing. That's not normal. Yeah. Being that good off the bat. I mean, the quarterbacks that I grew up with, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, those guys, it took them some time. Like, it took them a few years to really come into their own. And I think that Dak's kind of on that same timeline. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that on paper, last year was probably a better team. But I could see the Cowboys being a better team this year due to the fact that I think they know the personnel that they have on this team more. And I think that... Last se- or This season was the best time to get rid of Amari Cooper. And the reason why I say that is because we need to see what we have in CeeDee Lamb as our number one wide receiver. And you don't get those answers with Amari Cooper being there. Like CeeDee Lamb's going to be eligible for a big contract at the end of this season. Right. Would you be comfortable giving him that contract if he had Amari Cooper there? Or do you want to know definitively this is our number one wide receiver for the future? He has shown it now to us because his rookie season and his second Second year, he was the third option. He was the second option. This year, he's going to be the the first wide receiver, the number one wide receiver on this team. So you're going to get a lot of answers, uh, a lot of questions answered for you this year in terms of what you're going to do with Ceedee Lamb from a contract standpoint. Right, right. And and I, and I think you hit it right on the market. I think last season we had the we knew what we were going in with as as far as team. I think this season we got a lot of question marks. And what I what I mean by question marks is not in a bad way. I think we got a lot of you know, we got a lot of rookies, you know, our defense, you know, we got a lot of names that people haven't heard of, you know, and, and they're coming into 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 play where you can know you know they're gonna be, you know, rotated, you know. So 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 I think that, you know, the expectation is gonna be high, you know, with C D is you know, you have Amari gone now, you know. So just like you said, this is your time to show us, okay, I'm the number one, I'm eighty eight, let me show you guys. And then I would, like you say, I would feel comfortable, you know, okay, let's pay this man because he did this, you know. So I'm excited to see, the, to see, to see CD step in that number one role and show, you know, show us what it's going to be like. Definitely. And we're going to talk about CD Lamb uh, later on in the podcast. So I'm going to save my thoughts for that. Yeah. But when you look at when you look at the defense coming into the season, it's funny. It's like the roles have reversed on this team. You remember last oh, season we were very we were very sure of this offense. We were, we were like, man, how can this be a bad offense? And right? they came out and they were a good offense. Um and then at that same point that we're at right now, we looked at the defense and we said, "Ooh, this could be a struggle for the defense this year." But now the roles have reversed. We're like, "Man, Look at that defense. There's no way that that could be a bad defense. And now we're looking at the offense and we're like, there are some question marks on the offense. Now, I think that I think that they're going to have to change the way they play next season. Like last season, they were a more pass heavy offense because they had the personnel to do it. This season, they're going to have to run the ball more. And I think that that's actually going to be a better strategy to winning games for them this year. Definitely. If I were them, I, I would, I would follow the 2018, 2019 method. I thought that team in 2018, 2019 finished in the season. I thought that that was at outside of the 2016 team. 
ever since I've been watching the Cowboys, that was one of the best chances yep. that they had at winning a Super Bowl because they were playing winning football. They were running the ball effectively. They were playing good defense. I think that the defense this year is better than the defense that it was back in 2018 and 2019. So I think that that's going to be the Cowboys' recipe for success this season. Run the ball effectively. Uh, take time off the clock and just let your defense wins ga win games for yeah. you because they have the personnel on this defense to win games. I mean, that's how good this defense is going it's, into it's, next it's season. Crazy. Especially, it's crazy that, that that you say that because you know I tell everybody that like you guys remember when we had Romo, we had Murray, and we, we would be like, man, if only we had that defense to 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 match this offense. And now, like you say, it's it's crazy. Now we have the defense. <laughs> but our question, but our, but are we were like, do we have this offense? I mean, we know we have our quarterback. We have our franchise quarterback. You know, we're we're looking to have that franchise receiver this year. You know, and we got pieces. We got pieces, but we still have question marks because we haven't seen. You know, you know, we haven't seen CD in that in that one role. We haven't seen uh, Pollard. You know, he's. They've told us this season. They've told us. You know, he's going to be implemented more, but we haven't seen it. You know, so so those question marks are there, and you know I, I'm excited to see the defense, but now the question marks are on the on the offense. So let's see what happens. Oh no, definitely no. I 100% agree with that, and and this is why you pay Dak Prescott though, and I believe that Dak Prescott is one of those quarterbacks, and he's shown it that he can elevate talent. I look at the talent that they have on this team from the receiver position, especially when Michael Gallup and James Washington gets back. There's no reason as to why they can't be a successful offense when they're fully healthy. Now, they're not going to be fully healthy to start the season. So we're going to have to ask guys like Jalen Tolbert, Simi Fioko, and Noah Brown to elevate, and CeeDee Lamb as well. But we know what we have in CeeDee Lamb. So we're going to have to ask those guys to elevate their play to accommodate for the pieces that we don't have on this team. That's why, right, and, and, and it's funny. I think the offense could have the same trajectory as the defense had last season because the defense to start the season last year, they had some they had some good games, but they didn't really start to turn it on until later in the season. I think that that could be the same thing with the offense because I think that even though Michael Gallup's coming off that ACL injury, people forget when he was the true number two receiver on this team, he had 1,100 yards in, I think, 14 games. I mean, that's fantastic production. Yep. Michael Gallup, when he's healthy, is a, is a fantastic receiver, especially at the number two spot. So I feel – and I would say, like, you look at Dalton Schultz and this kid Jake Ferguson who's been making a name for himself. Like, I, I think that you're going to have enough here, especially when the guys get healthy, to be a top 10 offense in the league. You're going to have to – uh, ask the defense to step up for you, but that defense is good enough to be a top five unit in the league. I'm not saying they're going to be, but they have that ability to be. A, they're at least a top ten unit in the league oh, yeah, with the sure. upside. And when when you look at the defense all around, like they have a good defense outside of Micah Parsons, like it'd probably be the 12 or 13th ranked defense outside of Micah Parsons. But then when you add Micah to the mix, he completely elevates the defense. You know. Yep, and then and then uh, I know this this last this last preseason game that that we saw against the Chargers, I saw a little bit more of Sam Williams. I saw a little bit more of him, and this dude was putting that pressure, you know. So so you had him in the mix, you know. It, it it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting way the way Dan Dan Quinn handles his defense. I'm, that's 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 what I want to see. I want to see if he's just 
switching guys in and out. You know, you know, I, I want to see what what he does with this with this defense. And and they have so much depth on that defense. Oh yeah, line. for sure. It's, it's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I mean. I could just rail off the names right here. I mean, are we going to count Micah Parsons as a defensive lineman because he's going he's gonna to play a lot on the edge there? I won't count him as that because I think that his position is a linebacker, so I'll just count the defensive lineman. You have Demarcus Lawrence. You have Sam Williams, Dante Fowler, Neville Gallimore, Uso Digizua, Tristan Hill, Chauncey Golston. I mean, the – they're deep at that position. Yeah. Dorrance Armstrong. Armstrong. I'm sure. I'm, I'm. 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 I'm sure. I'm forgetting people that are Terrell Basham, Carlos Watkins. I mean, they have a very solid defensive line, and they have depth at the position. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm. You know, my expectations for this season. I'll give them 11 wins. I'm going to go 11 and six. I feel confident saying that, and I think that they win the NFC East. I still think that they have the best roster in the NFC East because here's the thing. They have they have Dak and Micah, and the other teams don't. Exactly. They, they have the best quarterback in the division, and I think it's safe to say that by the end of the season, everybody will regard Micah Parsons as the best player in this division. Right. What about you? How many wins do you think the Cowboys are going to get? I've been saying this. Just, just a rough estimate. I've been saying this since the beginning, and, I, and and if you go to my TikToks, I'll it's there. Twelve and five. I'm going twelve and five. I think we get we get solid wins this season. You know, I think this season we we I think the players kind of revert to last season and notice that we didn't win those big games. And I think this season we do that. I think this season we finally win those big games. The Tampa Bay's. The, the Rams, you know, those those big games, you know. And 12-5 and five is my expectation, obviously. You know, the NFC Championship and, you know, I'm a Cowboy fan, so I'm going to say Super Bowl. <laughs> got it. Hey, look, he's the CEO of Cowboys Nation. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I, I got to try try my best to be objective. But, um, I mean, as, as of right now, I – I definitely see them in the playoffs at the very least. As far as what they're going to do in the playoffs, I can't yeah. get a good gauge on that because, you know, it, it is depending on matchups. You know, if we get San Francisco again in the first round, that might be a problem, even though I think, you know, off topic, I think San Francisco wins their division this year. But, you know, if we get a team like that in the first round, it, it, we might have a tough day at the office in terms of what we're going to do in the playoffs. But, I mean, there's no excuse they need to at least win one playoff game, or that's not going to be a good thing. For what's, what's crazy is that last season, you know, I would have said I'd rather play San Francisco than Arizona. And then, and then you look at it, and you're like, man, I wish we would have played Arizona. Man, I, <laughs> I wish we would have played Arizona. And yeah, it, it, isn't that funny? I, I actually 100% agree with you. I wish we would have played Arizona in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But let's go. Let's go over this roster here. Let's talk about what are your biggest areas of concern going into the season. I'll let I'll, I'll let you have two areas of concern. If you have more, feel free to list them. But your two biggest areas of concern going into next season. So we spoke about it a little bit right now, just because of our injuries. You know, the wide receiver core, the wide receiver core. I think that we're still kind of like okay. Those are to me in the offense. The question marks are there because. You know, we don't know what Jaden Tolbert is going to be. You know, you know, we don't. We've never had CD in a one in a number one role, so we don't know how that's going to go. And my, I'm just going to interrupt here for yeah. a second. I'm sorry about that. 
not only do we not know what Jalen Tolbert's going to be, he hasn't given us any reason to be optimistic about yeah. it from what we've saw in the preseason so far. I'm not giving up on the kid because Jamar Chase had a rough preseason last year, and we saw what he did. Obviously, I'm not yeah. predicting Jalen Tolbert to be Jamar Chase, but I'm just saying these things happen in preseason. Yeah. But back to what you were saying. Yeah, and 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 then we have Noah Brown. Noah Brown, we've seen him. We've seen him. In, we've seen him in, in games, and we know he's, he has a little bit of consistency. He can get his yards. He's, you know, so I'm not, you know, but that wide receiver core, it's kind of, you know, an area of concern. Not too much to where I'm like, oh, we're gonna this wide receiver core sucks. No, it's not that. It's just, you know, we have questions, you know. And then my biggest, my biggest concern, and you guys might laugh or anything, but it's my kicker situation. This kicker situation, you know, it's real. It's it, real. People don't think it's real, but it's real, man. You know, we left last season going in, and, I, and I'm bringing up the first game because we had the same first game last season, the Bucks. We left nine points on the board, you know, and we lost by three. So you know, so so it, so it gives you a perspective, like okay, we can't be leaving points on the board, you know, and and that's our field goal kicker, you know, you know, we don't have a Dan Bailey anymore. We don't have. We don't have we don't have a Justin Tucker, you know. We have Brett, maybe Maher. This is what I call it. Maybe he'll make it. Maybe he won't. We don't know. But you know, last season we had Greg Stanky Leg. You know, so yeah. you know, so, so yeah. my, that's one of my biggest concerns. Just because you know, people might not think okay, it's the kick or whatever. But three points is three points in the NFL, and sometimes we need three points. Sometimes we need two, and three will do it. It's 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 so weird to me how the Cowboys didn't look at the kicker situation from last year and be more aggressive in getting a competent kicker this season. I mean, they, they had that kid, Jonathan Garibay. He was a rookie. He's never played in the NFL. And people think that scouting college kickers is easy because it's such an easy thing to translate into the NFL. It's really not because when you're playing in Texas Tech, you're not playing in cold weather. I mean, you're not... You're not playing against NFC East temperature type of, you know, the teams that the NFC East or the temperatures that the NFC East teams play in. You're not playing in those type of temperatures, you know, so it is actually harder to gauge than what people think it is. So I'm just shocked how the Cowboys didn't look at their kicker situation last year. They probably should have won two more games. Yeah, for sure. And and those are the games that I think we get the most trash talk, which is the Raider game and the Bucks game. And even the Arizona game, Arizona, he, yeah. he he missed he missed the kick, and and this isn't like a you know excuse fest because you know you know how people like yeah. to demonize Cowboys fans for making excuses, but I'm I'm just saying like that is something that happened, and the Cowboys should have looked at that and paid that position a little more attention this off season. There's no doubt about it. I would say that my two biggest areas of concern are like you said, the receiver core, at least to start the season. I think that once they get these guys back, I mean, CD Gallup. Jalen Tolbert, James Washington, Noah Brown, Simifioko, Kevante Turpin, that's a perfectly fine receiver core. You should have no problems winning in the NFL with that receiver core. But definitely right now, I think that it, it, it's, it's an area of concern. I'm not panicking about it right now. I think that CeeDee Lamb is that type of receiver to elevate a receiving core. And the one thing I, I always say is an offensive line can elevate a receiving core. And what I mean by that is when you have a good offensive line, it gives those receivers more time to get open. I believe that the Cowboys have a really good offensive line. And, you know, 
people just haven't taken notice as to how good the, the offensive line. I, I think if they're healthy, if they're healthy yeah. this year, that offensive line is going to be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you look at how Tyler Smith's been playing in preseason. You put Tyron Smith next to that kid to the left side of him. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's that's going to be scary. And then, you know, Tyler Biotic, he's, you know, a steady player. But on the other side of Tyler Biotic, you have Zach Martin, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. right guard, and Terrence Steele. I mean, I think this offensive line is going to be really good. And I think they're going to be able to elevate the receiving core based off what I just said. But what I'll also say is I am worried about the depth at the offensive line. And the reason why I'm worried about the depth at the offensive line is because of one guy. And I think, you know, who I'm going to talk about take a guess. Tyron. Yeah. I'm worried about him, but I'm more worried about his backup yeah. playing this season. than I'm worried about Ty. You know, I am very worried about Josh Ball getting significant reps on this team because the Cowboys haven't signed a swing tackle. They haven't signed a veteran to back up Tyron Smith. So I'm really afraid that they're going to give Josh Ball a chance this regular season if Tyron Smith gets injured. I would actually, be, and, and I wasn't on board with this, but I would be more on board with this than I would be uh, Josh Ball playing left tackle. Right. I would be on board with Tyler Smith going over to left tackle and actually having Matt Forniak play left guard because I don't think Connor McGovern's a, a left guard. He's shown that in the league this uh, yeah. throughout his career. He's a right guard and he's a very solid right guard, but he's not he's not a left guard. So I would be more inclined to have Tyler Smith go over to left tackle and have Matt Forniak go over to left guard, even though I've been saying for a long time I don't want to see Tyler Smith shuffle around the offensive line because I don't think that that does much good for him. Yeah. However, I would if if the Cowboys' plan is to have Tyler Smith go over to left guard or left tackle and have either McGovern or Forniak at left guard, I would I would breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah. Because I would rather have that than Josh Ball. The offensive line depth is certainly a question on this team. It's something that I'm definitely concerned about. It's something I'm going to be looking for uh, going forward. So what are we your? Saw, we saw it last season too. We saw it last season where I, I don't know. I think. What was what week was it when we finally had our our starting uh, offensive line all played together? It was probably like the week six, seven, maybe. It, it, it I think it might have been after the Vikings game. I uh, even even then because I think Tyron went down. Yeah, we didn't have Collins for those first six games. Our first he played in the Tampa Bay game, but he got suspended after that. Yeah. But what I will say is. I think that there's a case to be made that the offensive line was at its best last season when Terrence Steele was playing right tackle instead of Lyle Collins. Mm -hmm. I think there's a legitimate case to be made for that. Um, I mean, you saw what happened once Lyle Collins got back in, and I'm not saying that it's because Lyle Collins switched in at right yeah. tackle. I think there was there were other things going on with the offensive line that made the offensive lines play decline towards the later half of the season right. other than just Lyle Collins. But I think that there is something to be said about having a certain level of continuity on your offensive line, even though Zach Martin's been playing with Lyle Collins long enough right. uh, you know, to have a, a, a level of continuity. But that, that uh, unit is very dependent on you know, uh, uh, camaraderie right. on your offensive line. So 
you know, I, I think that that had something to do with it, that there wasn't much camaraderie on the offensive line. There wasn't much consistency on the offensive yeah. line because they were switching guys in and out. They were switching Terrence Steele from right tackle to left tackle. Yep. And they were switching Connor Williams and Connor McGovern uh, for a bit there. And then they went back to Connor Williams. And it, it was it was a, uh, it was, a mess towards yeah. the end of the season. So we talked about our areas of concern. I wanted to start it off with that so that we could end or that we could go into our areas that we're feeling good about. Right. So what are your areas that we're feeling good about? Uh, you can list two, but if you want to list more than that, perfect. So that. the areas I most feel good about, and you guys can't see this, but I have notes. I wrote notes down and I have it in big, bold letters, defense. I'm, you know, I feel good about our defense. I think our defense last season, you know, showed us that, what it is again to have a good defense, you know, to have a to have a, a reliable defense, and those takeaways, you know, I don't know if we'll we'll be as as uh, as 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 productive in the takeaway uh, stats this season, but I'm confident about this defense. I like it, you know. Dan Quinn, this dude is a you know he's a he's a beast at defensive coordinator, you know. So so that's where I'm confident. So now, is there a specific unit within the defense that you feel confident, most confident about? Obviously, the the linebacker core. We got to go with the linebacker core. That linebacker core is, you know, you know, we have a generational player in in Micah, you know. So certainly, so you know, we struck gold. You know, everybody saw it, and I think everybody at the draft, you know, I'm not saying you know, this is a copycat league, so so. At the draft, I feel like people went like, okay, let's find our Micah, you know, so so that linebacker core, you know, I'm excited to see I'm excited to see it going back and forth. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think that I think that, you know, like the linebackers, they they do look there. I think that the front seven as a whole looks very good going into next season. That defensive line and, you know, the, the linebackers, definitely, those look good. Um, but I would say that my two areas that I feel really good about, I feel really good about the defensive line, and I feel really good about our secondary. I think that our linebackers are good. Like, And you have Micah Parsons, who just elevates the entire linebacker room. But, you know, Jabril Cox had a very nice preseason game yep. the other night, but he's still an unproven player. Leighton Vandrush, he started to come on at the end of last season. Anthony Barr, older player, dealt with some injuries. So I think that there are some question marks in the linebacker room, but I would say our secondary right. is deep, like deep. Uh, you know, you, you start with, outside of Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, to me the leader of this defense, J. Ron Curse. I, I love J. Ron Curse. I love J. Ron Curse. He's a hard hitter. Oh man! I feel like I honestly feel he's like a, like a, what's this dude in Seattle? Uh, not a uh, Cam Chancellor, like a Cam, Cam Chancellor type, of, you know. And just the way, just the way you saw him on the, just the way you saw him on the on the sideline, you know, riding up the guys, and you know, he has that leadership quality. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I love Jaron Curse, and that's the role that he's being asked to play on this team. I mean, it's funny that you bring up Cam Chancellor, who was the defensive coordinator for Seattle when Cam Chancellor played on that mm -hmm. team. It was Dan Quinn. It was Dan Quinn, and they but they also have Malik Hooker. They have these those uh, those two rookies 
Makwamu and Marquise Bell, who are making a, a very solid impression yeah. on this coaching staff. But you also have Donovan Wilson as well. I've never felt as good about the safety position as a Cowboys fan. In my, in, and I think, and I think that's that's one that's one position we've always struggled at in the safety position. Oh yeah, I I I mean. I mean, even the, just the secondary as a whole, then you go into the cornerbacks. I think Trayvon Diggs is a fantastic player, and this hate that Trayvon Diggs gets, I think it's unwarranted. Yeah. I mean, if you're telling me that a guy who just started playing cornerback a few years ago would get to the point where he has 11 interceptions in a season in the NFL, that's fantastic. And what's funny is, talking about the Trayvon Diggs slander, 2020, the 2020 season, right? Xavier Howard let up more yards, more receptions, had less interceptions than Trayvon Diggs did. He got named to the All-Pro. Nobody batted an eye. Matter of fact, people vouched for him to be on the All-Pro. Trayvon Diggs let up less yards. He let up less receptions. He had more interceptions than Xavier Howard. He made the All-Pro. Everybody threw it. Everybody hates Now, I don't, I don't believe in that yards allowed stat or metric. It's a metric. It's not an actual statistic. And the reason why I don't believe in that metric is because everybody has a different answer. You go to one site, Trayvon Diggs let up 850 yards. You go to another site, he let up 970. You go to another site, he let up over 1,000. So because of the fact that there isn't consistency among the people that are grading and judging what is a yard allowed, right. to me, it invalidates the... The metric, to right, me. right? So right. I don't and, pay and, much and, attention. And real, real quick, let me interrupt real quick. Isn't that a stat that just got made up? I, I I think like not too long ago. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. It's not even a stat. It's it, you know, it's a metric. It's an in the old. And, I didn't. Even, I thought it was an actual stat that people because I because I know back in the days that wasn't measured like because I, I I never heard of it. Yeah, it's I, the same. I, like I I never heard of like I've been watching football for seventeen years. You know, pretty. I, I mean, I'm 25 right now. Right. I've been watching it probably, probably even longer than 17 years. I've never heard anybody bring up the yard allowed stat outside of this season. This season, I exactly. Didn't, I, I didn't even know that that metric like existed right. <laughs> until until this season. So I, I think that Trayvon. My, my opinion on Trayvon Diggs is this: He's a good player. He improved from year one to year two. Nobody can argue with that. Nobody can argue that he's a good player in this league and that he improved from year one to year two. And I think that he's going to improve from year two to year three. Right. And even though he might not end up with as many interceptions as he did last season because it is hard to replicate 11 interceptions in a year, I think that his all-around game is going to improve. I think that his techniques is going to improve. I think his eye discipline is going to improve. I mean, you already see it. I mean, those plays that he got, you know, quote-unquote burnt on. Right. One thing that I saw from Trayvon Diggs was he his eye discipline was, you know, it was there. It was there. And even that yeah. play, even that play that he had against Keenan Allen, where he was just staring Keenan Allen yeah. down the entire time, you you see it. I mean, granted, Keenan Allen caught the the touchdown, but in training camp, you do like seeing your players trying something new. And I think if this is something that Dan Quinn and I believe uh, Al Harris is the the cornerbacks coach. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the cornerbacks coach. Yeah, I I know his last name's Harris. Harris. I, his last name, his last name, you know, just went off the top of my head for some reason. Um, I think that they made it an emphasis for Trayvon Diggs to be a more complete cornerback than what he was, and I think because of that, he's actually going to 
improve this year. Right. And he might, his, his interception numbers might come down, but I think as a whole, um, you know, if he's able to have better eye discipline this year, because that was his problem last year, right? With those double right. moves, it all came down to eye discipline. If if his eye discipline improves, you know, he, he's, his technique isn't bad. Like he's he has fine technique yeah. for a corner. Yeah. I think that his his problem is it's just his eye discipline. But yeah, you know that you're going off on a little bit of a tangent here. It's Cowboys beating friends. We're allowed to do that. Yeah, man. we're allowed to do that. We, uh, you know, we gotta <laughs> we gotta defend our players, man. Because exactly. Exactly, man. I, I, I'll never stop defending Trayvon Diggs. I, I, I won't for his performance last season. Yeah, for well, some reason, people. I just, just want to know. So, I want to know who else besides Everson Walls, another Cowboys, has had eleven interceptions. You know, it's been a, it's been a while. It's been a while. So, yeah, I, I really like Trayvon Diggs' potential, yeah. and I think that. There's a lot of really good young cornerbacks in this league. You look at guys like Patrick Sertan. I love what I what I've yeah. seen so far from Patrick yeah. Sertan. I I really like AJ Terrell. You know, there there are good young cornerbacks in this league. Yeah. I would argue that out of those guys, Trayvon Diggs has the highest ceiling. He also he has the lowest floor as well. Yeah, he has the lowest floor out of those guys as well. But he has the highest ceiling out of all those guys. And the reason why I'll say that is because. You cannot teach the type of ball hawking skills that Trayvon Diggs has. Yep. It's instinctual. They not every cornerback has them, but you can teach technique. Yeah. You know, and from what from from how long he's been playing the position to what he is now, he's definitely improved in that aspect. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I mean the secondary just as a whole, I mean there's there's so many Darren Bland now, Black, Jordan yep. Lewis, Anthony Brown. I mean they are this defense, not only do they have top-level talent on this defense, but they're deep at pretty much every position. Everything. Like, they're, they're deep everywhere on defense, so they're going to be able to rotate these guys in and out. That's something that Dan Quinn really likes to do. Yeah. So, man, I, I'm, I'm excited to see this defense. Yeah, man. for sure. I'm, 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 I'm so excited to see this defense. So, we have our last topic of the day. It's, is CeeDee Lamb ready to be the number one wide receiver on this team? But before we get into that, we're just going to take a quick break here for a second. If you guys haven't already, please make sure to review the show on iTunes. Leave a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate that. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel or subscribe to the show. Um, I would greatly appreciate that as well. So we're getting into our last topic of the day here. Is CeeDee Lamb ready to be the number one wide receiver on this team? Armando, what do you say? Yes, CeeDee Lamb is, 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 is ready. I think that what we you've seen as far as the videos he's put out, his workout ethic, you know, this dude took it, okay, my buddy's gone, and they're buddies, him and Amari, and I believe they still talk. I, I, I saw an interview where he says they still talk, and they still talk to each other, you know, I think that he 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 said, okay, he's gone now. It's my time, and he's showing kind of like, okay, I'm I'm just gonna step it up. Uh, I saw Mike Orvin on first take was I don't know if it was today or yesterday, and he said he talked about the '88s. You know, Drew Pearson, his third year, he had he he improved to nine touchdowns. Des Bryant, his third year, he improved. He had 12 TDs. Uh, Mike Orvin, he talked about himself, and he I think he was hurt his third year, but he had, I think, 1,500 yards or, or something like that, which was the following year after he came back from his injury. 
So this is CeeDee Lamb's third year as a Cowboy. You know, you know, pretty much what he was saying is we're going to see improvement. We're going to see improvement in, with 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 CD. You know, his third year. You know, he's 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 he wants to get paid. You know, every you know, I feel like if you're an NFL player and you get into the league, you know, you want to get paid. So CD's going to want to get paid. You know, and I, I feel like he's going to ball out, and I, he's ready for that number one spot for sure. Oh yeah, certainly. And this is why you drafted CD Lamb at number seventeen. And I would make the case that if the Cowboys knew they were going to get CD Lamb at seventeen, they would have never re-signed Amari Cooper that year because that was the year that they re-signed Amari Cooper. Yep. And I actually one hundred percent agreed with the Cowboys drafting CD Lamb in that draft. And the reason why is like CD Lamb was on some big boards was looked at as the number one receiver in that draft. I thought that he was the number one receiver in that draft going into that draft. Yeah. Now we know coming out of it, Justin Jefferson at so far has been the more productive out of the two receivers. Right. But I also look at Justin Jefferson's situation. He's getting a majority of the targets on that team. Right. He's not sharing targets with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. And I made this case on one of my podcasts recently. I said that I think that CeeDee Lamb is just as talented as guys like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, but I think that Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson were given more of an opportunity early in their career, right? And another thing that people bring up about CeeDee Lamb is his drop issues. Now, what I'll say about the drop issues is this. They would be a bigger issue if it was a Jalen Rager type of situation, not even just throwing a shot at an Eagles player. It's just the, the first name that came to my mind we love throwing shots at eagles fans exactly (laughs) even even ones that aren't meant to be direct shots absolutely we love doing that here it's a look man it's cowboys beating friends man that's what we're talking that's what we're talking about cd because i know they're still salty that we 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 took them off the board oh man that was great that the reactions that came from the eagles fans um but no yeah i I, I I think that CD Lamb is just as talented as as guys like. Oh, Justin and, and I definitely Lamb. agree with you. I definitely and and you're you hit it on the mark where you say uh uh Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase were they were put into positions where pretty much you're gonna be the number one and that's the position they were put into. CD came into a a a, a position where a, a loaded a loaded yeah room. a loaded where, oh, where we're sharing the ball. You know that that that's what I like about and that's Kellen Moore's yeah. offense. Yeah, he's a share. He's gonna drop it a tight end. He's gonna drop it here. You know, so so CD wasn't given the that number one right off the rip like these other guys. You know, but I think he's just as talented as them. He's just as good as them. You know, you know. So this is the year I think we see. Okay, CD is now that our Jamar and, Chase, our Justin Jefferson. And, and going back to that, I forgot to finish my point. When it comes to CeeDee Lambs and the drops, a lot of people give him a hard time about the drops. Here's the thing. Like I said about Jalen Rager, he struggles with drops. He doesn't have good hands, but he's not productive. CeeDee Lamb sh- struggles with drops. Like That's, that's a fair criticism right. of CeeDee Lamb. But he does have good hands. He struggles from focus drops, which is a real thing. Like That's very common in young yak receivers to struggle from focus drops. However, CeeDee Lamb is still productive even with his drop issues. I mean, when you look at – compare this guy's – to receivers under the age of 23. I think he's eighth all-time in receiving yards. That's insane. That's insane. Um, 
So, and, and it's not a situation like I look at a guy like Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup is a number two wide receiver on a football team. He's not a number one wide receiver. Right. A guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, right, when he became yeah. a number one wide receiver, we all saw that he was not a number one wide receiver. I don't think that's the case with CeeDee Lamb. I think that CeeDee Lamb was a number one wide receiver having to play in that number two role because – he had a guy that just had more seniority in the league who's been productive for a longer period of time than CeeDee Lamb. That's the only reason why he wasn't the number one wide receiver. It's not because he wasn't talented enough. Because I can tell you this, you could put him on probably last season 17 to 20 teams, and he's their number one receiver. Oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe even, maybe even more than that. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that CeeDee Lamb's ready to be a number one receiver. And like I said earlier, this was the perfect time to cut ties with Amari Cooper. Yeah. You were able to get some money off the books. I understand why people were upset with the, with getting rid of Amari Cooper because you don't like losing a guy like Amari Cooper because he is a good player, and losing a good player might make – it might make your team – it probably will make your team worse. But, I mean, there is something called addition by subtraction. I'm not – saying I'm not saying that that's going to be the case here but I think that there is something to be said with now Dak is going to have a clear-cut bona fide ultra talented type of number one receiver on this team in CD Lamb right and I think that that's going to mean something like I think that now CD Lamb is going to be able to blossom but when I look at the offense as well you know I look you know even though they lost Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson, I think that they're going to be able to make up that production in other ways. And other ways means, you know, Jalen Tolbert, obviously he's going to step in there, but also more yards from Dalton Schultz, more yards from CeeDee Lamb, more yards on the ground. The talent that was underutilized last year, like Tony Pollard, they're going to have no choice but to properly utilize him this year or they're going to lose football games this year. I didn't hear you. Sorry. So, oh, no, I was saying that Last season, a lot of this talent, Tony Pollard, like even CeeDee Lamb, I would make the case, was underutilized. Oh, yeah. A lot sure. of the talent yeah. that they had that was underutilized, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to properly use them this year, or they're gonna lose games. Yep. Like they're gonna have they're gonna have no other option. Like this is still a talented team. They're just not as talented as they were last year. Yeah. So final thoughts here, Armando. We're gonna wrap it up here. Final thoughts. Obviously, uh I'm excited for the season. If you guys uh, are going to the first game, I will be at the first game. So say what's up. But this is going to be a, a interesting season, I think, you know, because we have a lot of questions, you know, especially our offense. You know, I'm excited to see the defense. But, you know, overall, it's going to be a win season. I already said it, 12-5. and five. I'm sticking to my guns, you know. So high expectations for these Cowboys. And as always, you already know, Super Bowl, That's 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 what we play for, you know. You know, you. I tell, I tell everybody, you don't play to win the NFC Championship. You play to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, we want to get there, you know, and that's the road to the Super Bowl. But, you know, so high expectations always for these Cowboys. Yeah, definitely. No, you're definitely right here. And I just want to say thank you for being the first guest on the Cowboys Beaten Friends podcast. Uh, I, I really enjoyed doing this podcast with you, man. Hopefully you can come back on and, and you know, be be a recurring cast, uh, guest on this show, definitely. Oh, man, I love it, man. I, I told you all week I was excited for this. I even thought it was last week. <laughs> I called you. <laughs> that, that, 
Dude, you know what? That was 100% my fault. Cause I was, I was excited too. Yeah. I was so excited as well. So I was just like, oh, you know. Yeah. yeah so, so if you guys are like, listening oh, to the podcast, uh, me and Chris had we like I texted him. I was like, okay, so you know I'm ready for the podcast, and he was like, no, it's next week. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it was a yeah. I, I I had to apologize like two or three times for that. I'm just like, oh man, I should have clarified it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Definitely, but, but I love it, man, and, and, and I appreciate that. And you know, you guys already know Cowboys beats and friends, man. I'm excited to see the next guest, and I'm excited to see the future guest. And definitely, I would love to come on again. You already know. Absolutely, it was a blast having you on. Well, I just want to say to everybody listening, thank you guys for showing support. If you guys haven't already, make sure to leave a review, five star review, and make sure to download the show. Or Mano, tell the people to leave a five star review. So. Five star review, guys. Come on, five star. You see that? You see the star? Five points, man. Five stars. Come on, let's get let's get my boy Cowboys beats five stars, and you guys already know what it is, man. Cowboys, baby. Awesome, awesome. All right, guys, thank you, and go Cowboys. Go Cowboys. Thank you for listening to the Cowboys Beat and Friends podcast. Please make sure to follow the show and leave a review. We'll see you next time on the Cowboys Beat Podcast Network.